it is your favorite co-host, the Caleb G, and I am bringing you a special Kickstarter edition show-and-tell episode of the RPG Academy. I have a special guest with me in the house. I will jump right to it and let him introduce himself. Uh, my name is Jacob Smith. I created Edlin Games, and I'm here to talk about my Kickstarter one-shot wonders. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining the show tonight, Jacob. My pleasure. Happy to be here. I took a sneak peek at your product uh, the other day, and spoiler alerts, I really like it. So if anyone doesn't want to listen to the whole episode, you could just stop right now. I like it, and you should back it. But, you know, we're going to record the whole show, so please stay tuned. <laughs> um... Jacob, why don't we uh, why don't we start by talking a little bit about your background as a gamer? So, how did you get into this wonderful hobby that we all share? I was a small, very excitable six year old, and my older brother played with his older friends, and I was kind of always at the table. And eventually, I started making my own character sheets and just sort of sneaking them in. And then uh, one day a GM just, you know, he was moving away and he gave me his first edition player's handbook and Dungeon Master's Guide. And I still have those and I've just kept going on it through 30 years now. I've played pretty much everything underneath the sun. Oh, wow. So you uh, you really kind of roguered your way into the game here. <laughs> yep, pretty much. I just was not leaving the table. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. Um, so that very first game that you actually weaseled your way into, was that old school Dungeons and Dragons? Kind of. It was a take. It was, uh, his own version he had written. Um, and it was, it was much like D&D. And so I got hooked on that and then it just kept going from there. But it was definitely old school fantasy. You know, I played Arrow the Elf, a ranger. That was my first character ever. I was just going to ask about your first character. So that's very cool. Uh, so you got into the game with that classic sword and sorcery fantasy trope, mm -hmm. and you never looked back. Nope. I was hooked, and I was done. Now, something you said when you were telling the story, uh, when the GM moved away, he essentially bequeathed you his GM title. So have you been running games essentially from your early days as uh, as part of the hobby? Oh, yeah. I started probably I started running games at easily sixth grade, fifth grade. I was running games. Okay. Do you find yourself running more frequently than playing? Yes, most definitely. And is that how you like it? Hmm. I love doing both. Sometimes I do need to just sort of check out and, and, and play. But uh, for, the, for the longest time now, I have mostly ran. Gotcha. So what do you most typically run? What's your go-to system? Pathfinder. Uh, and I also play a lot of Vampire the Masquerade, Old School World of Darkness. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you and I share the love of Pathfinder and that uber-crunchy D20 system. Mm -hmm. So for once on this show, I am not alone in my love of the, the crunchy stuff. Yep, yep. Do you find that you like the system because of all the fun options and the, the mechanics that you can work with and do anything with? Do you like the opportunities it gives you for world-building and role-play? What what drags you back to Pathfinder time and time again? What I liked about Pathfinder and 3.5 was that, you know, for role-playing for me was always not about what you were, but about who you were. And I think with the flexibility, it might have snowballed a little bit at this point, 
but it, it really is about more about figuring out who your character is as a person and what drives him and you can more your character's a lot more malleable and so you can kind of find your niche in the world and you can find same thing with NPCs. You can, it's a lot easier to build NPCs and characters that are in the game that have their own driving force and their own skill set to fit who they are as a person. That's a great point. Uh, that's one of those things that I always get into uh, a, a pleasant debate with other <laughs> gamers out there. Uh, why, especially when we're talking about uh, mechanics and, and addition wars and system wars, mm -hmm. when we're debating uh, what we love the most, I think that's one of the points that gets a little bit lost with that uh, older version of the D20 system. It's a lot of people just see it as the overwhelming options and the heavy crunch and the unbounded gigantic numbers. Yeah. But I, I think that's what makes it fun. I, I think the challenge is, like you said, finding your character and creating his or her place in the world in spite of all of that, using that as simply a tool to help define who you are as a player, as a character. Exactly, exactly. You can play a wizard every time you make a character, and you can play completely different characters. It's not this sort of, well, every wizard's the same. No, they can be completely different people from backgrounds to skill sets to everything. And, of course... I certainly don't want to imply from this conversation that you can't do that with other mechanics and systems, but God damn it, this is one of the first times I've had a, a fellow Pathfinder D20 <laughs> lover on this show. I get to take a minute and enjoy this, so deal with it, people. <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> okay, so we, we've shared our love of Pathfinder. I'm sure we could have an entire show talking about the 3.5 Pathfinder games, but we are here to talk about your company and your product. Before we get to that, though, I, I do want to ask the question, when did you get into writing and development? I think every GM at some point starts to hack a system and make up rules and things like that, but there is a little bit of a leap from saying, oh, I want to change how this spell works to, oh, I want to write my own world and adventure. So when did that transition occur? A lot of that happened when I got into White Wolf games, because it is much more of just, you just write the world and it's it's up to you and how you kind of decipher things. And, but then uh, with the group I started playing here in Chicago, when I moved here from Atlanta, I kind of started getting more into that, once again, what drives your character. So it started off with very simple, I had everybody create characters, and then I said, Give me three secrets about your character. It doesn't have to be crunch-based, but I want to know three things about your character that make them them. And it kind of spiraled from there of wanting to create something that was a little bit more interesting, a little bit more driving force, a little bit more character-driven. Okay. So is that a tactic you use when you run games a lot of the times? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like to know something interesting. You know, even if I use a pre-generated character, I'll say, you know, look this character over, and then I want you to think of something that you want to give its own flavor to. Cool. That That's a great tip. So when you have a player make up these secrets or these bits of information about a character that they are using, do you share those 
secrets and information with everybody at the table, or do you actually keep them as secret to reveal later on? That is completely up to the player. Okay. It might come out. It might come out through role play. It might be something that he has to sit everybody down at the beginning of the guy of the campaign and be like, "Hey guys, just so everybody's clear, I'm afraid of heights. It's going to come up, and I want everybody to know now that I don't deal well with heights." You know, whereas I had one guy who was playing a paladin, he gave his paladin a drinking problem. It didn't come up until that paladin was keeping watch, and he was just passed out drunk. So your motivation here is basically to help the players make their characters a little more real, a little more dynamic. It's not always about what's your character's backstory. It's more about what's a trait, what's a characteristic, what's something cool that you can use as a hook to really role-play this sheet of paper. Exactly. Awesome. We actually have had quite a few conversations on the podcast here about character secrets versus player secrets and we have never come to a complete answer we always debate about it a little bit i personally think it's totally fine to have secrets from other players at the table because it adds a little bit of a, a secondary level to the game and if if i as a player have a secret that maybe only i and the gm know i can enjoy that build-up and reveal and role-playing of that particular thing. However, a lot of times if the players share a secret that uh, at the table, but pretend that the characters don't know, it can also be a nice setup in-game for some really cool social storytelling moments. Most definitely. I don't think there's a right answer. So what's your take? The issue you run into is if a character has such a big backstory or a big secret that he's never going to have any real need to be in a campaign or with a group. It, it, that's the one issue I have found when you have a, a heavily elaborate backstory. It's like, well, my character wants to become the next so-and-so and he wants to go do his own thing. It's like, well, okay, then you'll never have a need to play the campaign I'm writing or that I bought to run because it doesn't fit your character's story. So it ha you have to be a little bit fluid with it and be willing to, to be a little flexible. Gotcha. What you're saying is when it comes to information, backstory, secrets or not secret, what matters more is does the character and the reason for that character fit into the story that's being told? Exactly. And, and if if I bring to the table a character that has such a grandiose backstory that kind of puts me out of participation in the game, that's where the problem can occur. Exactly, exactly. When your character's constantly saying, well, I don't want to do this because I need to go do my thing, it's like, okay. And that's great if you want to create a, if you want to sit down a player and say, listen, we're going to write a campaign about your backstory and the other players know they're here as a supporting role and they're going to be players in your story, which is a fun campaign to play and a fun way to go. But if it's not, but it can't be too limiting. It can't be controlling the story. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you. And I think the way to solve that is simply have a conversation with all your players before you start the game. Um, yeah. Michael is such a big proponent of the session zero, uh, of getting everything established and built and defining the world and the characters. I definitely think that is 
essentially what we're talking about here. Whether we do that over email, over lunch, at the game table, you just get everyone on board. We're, we're playing a yeah. game. There is a certain suspension of disbelief here as we are playing pretend with our friends here. So as long as everyone is on board and everyone agrees to, yeah, okay, we're going to tell this story or we're going to follow Jeff's story and we're all going to be part of it. As long as everyone's on the same page in the campaign, in the story, then it's going to be a good story. Exactly. So speaking of campaigns and speaking of stories, this is my very roundabout transition back to Edgeland Games and what you are doing here, which, as I said at the top of the show, is a fantastic idea. So why don't you tell us what you are doing with Edgeland Games? Our first initial launch into the market is a uh, product called One Shot Wonders. Uh, and what it is, is, and believe it or not, you actually had a small, small part in the idea of this. What? Yes. I was listening to a podcast, and you and Michael were talking, and you were doing your soft intro. And you said something like, to the, to the effect of, um, you know, I'm working, I'm with the family, and I'm squeezing in the hobby when I can. And that's really what we all do. We love to game, but it's finding the time to write to research, to do all the things that we want to do to get to the table so we can game. So me and my writing partners, we had this idea of what if we created a selection of campaigns that were playable without having to do all the homework and the research that comes with normal role-playing. And so when you're running a campaign, you're running your big, chunky, long-form, heavy narrative campaign, and all of a sudden there's that night when Dave can't make it, he's sick, John can't make it. His kid's got a recital. Now you're down to three players. You don't want to go into the big, long narrative, but you still want a game. Let's create a product that gives that ability to players and GMs. I will say that this is a wonderful idea, and because it was mine, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so so One Shot Wonders is not a typical campaign module. It's not a start-to-finish presentation of a separate story. These are essentially bite-sized campaigns, right? Exactly, exactly. They're all made to be ran in one night. Um, instead of it having, because we did a lot of research into sort of like side quest campaigns that you can find, and a lot of them would start off with like a backstory. They would be like, oh, you're a caravan guards on the way to this merchant town and you're leave you just left this dwarven mine. And it's like, well, in my campaign, they were just in a dungeon or they were just walking through the forest in between cities or they were already in a city. So you have to break that narrative in order to get a night of gaming in. Whereas the way we write these, we consider it a win if a player never realizes they played a one shot. They feel like it was part of the ongoing campaign. Cool. And if the sample you gave me holds true for the rest of the product, you accomplish that by breaking them down into generic setting types. Yes. The sample I have has an outdoor campaign setting, an urban campaign setting, and a dungeon campaign setting. Exactly. Because we kind of looked at campaigns and we found out that's where most of the time, that's where you're in one of those three areas. Sure, sure. Those are the most typical tropey settings for a, a sword and sorcery, high fantasy type of game. So essentially what we're saying here is 
with one-shot wonders, you can flip through the book. You can find a, a bite-sized, one-night gaming session encounter and just seamlessly fit it into your current campaign. Exactly. And you can do this if someone doesn't show up, if you don't prepare, if you ran out of ideas. This is just a tool for you to use, and, and there's so many different ways that you can make use of it. What I think is really cool about this, beyond the flexibility of the one-shot wonders campaigns is there's another level of flexibility within each campaign option you've you've essentially broken these down into the core components of the campaign and then left these blanks to be filled based on the level of your players exactly yeah we, we didn't want it to be where here's a collection of campaigns and there's three at first level, there's three at second level, there's three at third, etc. So that means if your party is at fifth level, well, I can't play half these campaigns. Every campaign has the CRs for every level. So you can, and it also gives you that ability for when you have two players down, and I've written a campaign that's designed to be played by five, five level character, fifth level characters, I now don't have to just hope that the three fifth level characters don't die. Right. Essentially, what you did here with One-Shot Wonders is you built in a sliding scale of difficulty. Yes. Everything from the traps to the perception checks to the uh, monsters. Encounters everything. And, and basically, at the back of the book, there's a chart. Yes. And the charts have all the corresponding... So, if I'm at Encounter 1, I flip to the back of the appendix and I find Encounter 1... And then there's a chart there that says, okay, so if you're making a perception check, it should be here to here, here to here, here to here. It gives you the ranges based on the level of your party. And yep. when you fight a monster, it could be this monster, it could be that monster. When you find an NPC, it could be this NPC, it could be that NPC. All the stat blocks are there. All the ranges of the skill checks are there. You essentially, you don't need another book. When you have the One-Shot Wonders book in front of you, behind your GM screen, you're good to go. Yes. Yeah, the idea behind it is that we would have a box set that would be sit on your shelf, and that would be all you needed to have a night of gaming. Cool. Uh, that's, that's why I think this is such an awesome idea, Jacob. I, I think this is a really cool and very unique product. You said you did a lot of research. There's a lot of one-shots out there. There's a lot of small modules out there, but they are restrictive. They have a certain level. They have a certain story hook. They have a certain place that they exist in the world. As a GM, I absolutely have the skill to take a, a written campaign and rewrite it to suit my needs. But I don't always have the time. Exactly. And that's what One Shot Wonders is. It is a product. It is a tool that says, hey... You don't have time to do stuff. We get it. Here's a thing that exists in a bubble. Slot this into whatever the hell you're doing, and it will work. Yeah, and also we, we wanted to embrace that moment that it happens very rarely, but it's when that moment of, wait a minute, I'm here, you're here, we've got two other guys here. If somebody had written something, we could actually get in a night of gaming, which is normally never an option. Now with this product, you can just get a group of people together 
and be gaming within five, ten minutes. That's very cool. Uh, it, it brings up that whole kind of board game night that a lot of us like to have. Exactly. Four or five people randomly get together. Hey, you know, let's grab Risk. Let's grab Monopoly. Let's grab Cards Against Humanity. Because you don't have to prepare. You're playing with a thing. Mm -hmm. Dungeons and Dragons, any role-playing game, typically requires some sort of setup. Now, there's a lot of newer role-playing games that are rules light, uh, are very improv-based, spur-of-the-moment Let's just play a game and do stuff. But it doesn't always have that same feel of D&D. Yeah. And like it or not, we all grew up playing D&D. And we have a very specific itch to scratch. And sometimes you just gotta roll those D20s. Well, and even, even if you're in a system that's rules light, there's still someone at the table that has to come up with a narrative. They still have to come up with, this is what you're doing, this is where you're going. So even if you don't have that crunch part, to, to that you have to roll, someone still doesn't want to just be sitting at a table and be like, I guess you're in a room, there's some stuff, uh, if you want to kill it, you can, I guess. <laughs> we we wanted to eliminate that part of that sort of, if, if someone does, you know, take the bullet and say, I'll be the spontaneous GM, that's a lot of pressure to deliver a night of gaming in that situation. Definitely. So One Shot Wonders is... It fills so many different roles. It, it, it fills the, hey, we can randomly game tool role. It fills the, oh, people didn't show up, so it's kind of ruining my story. What are we going to do role? It fills the, oh, damn, I worked late and I couldn't prepare a game role. So One Shot Wonders really delivers in a lot of different areas at the gaming table. So because of that, kudos for thinking this up. This is an outstanding product. And like I started to say a while ago, as far as I know, nothing else like this exists right now. That's why I started really, really getting really excited about the idea. That's why we decided to form Eslin Games, is I kind of started writing them for myself to have kind of a, like a utility belt of campaigns in the background to know that if I had to pull something out of my hat, I had something. And then I was actually running, um, I'm with my friends, I'm running Rise of the Rune Wars. And every now and then I would just slide one of these in. And they just felt like it was part of the standard campaign. They didn't realize I was running these other campaigns outside of the standard campaign. Very cool. Very cool. So how long has this product been in development and testing? from your side of the thing? Uh, about a year. Hmm. That, that's a good turnaround time, honestly. The biggest, the hardest part about it is writing a campaign that doesn't need the study. Mm -hmm. You know, any GM has had that moment where you've read the campaign, but you would have liked to have read it one or two more times. And like you're reading the description of the room and like you're looking at the map and there's like, yeah, and then there's a, a door to the east and a door to the west. And there's two doors to the south. And then you get to the bottom of the paragraph and it says, the one door to the south is, you know, covered by a bookcase. And you're like, oh, no, I'm sorry. There's three doors. There's only there's only three doors. Yeah. No, no not four doors. You know, or you, you're describing a room and then you tell the creature that's inside of it. And you get to the bottom descriptor and it says, that creature is invisible. And you're like, oh, well, never mind. She's not there. So you kind of <laughs> wanted to write them in a way that eliminated that moment of confusion or that moment of panic. So the the challenge has not strictly been in creating the one-shot wonders. It has been in fine-tuning them. That formula. 
Exactly. Find that perfect formula of an open description that can slot into any sort of use, but is really simple and easy to use. I don't have to say, okay, guys, give me 10 minutes to read this over and then we'll start. It's all right. I'm going to flip to page five. Here's your characters. Let's roll. Yep. Cool. We even went, we even went as far as there's a lot of those rules that come up sometimes. Subdual damage, uh, drowning, uh, some odd grappling rules. And any time that there's a, a, a place in the campaign where that's obviously going to come up, we take those rules and we put them directly into the campaign for you. Because you don't have to stop and go, oh, wait a minute, you want to do some dual damage. Let me, let me see how that works again. What do you do? Let me Google it on my phone. It's right there in the book for you to see. So you can use it and just keep, keep the campaign going. Cool. Again, uh, making the tool easier to use seamlessly working it into whatever you're doing at the game table. And something you said a minute ago, well, a few minutes ago, one-shot wonders is just a thing that sits on the shelf, pop it open, all the tools are in there, and you're ready to go. Yep. Okay, cool. So let's talk about the this box, this tool that sits on my shelf. Um, you guys are taking one-shot wonders to Kickstarter. Uh, at the time of recording, the Kickstarter has not yet launched, but that big green button is looming ominously on the horizon for Edgeland Games. <laughs> uh, at the time of releasing this, we will have a little bit of time under the campaign belt. So folks, when you listen to this, the campaign is live. The link will be in the show notes. Click over, check it out, and absolutely give Edgeland Games some of your coin that they need to make this thing happen. So let's talk about the product. If everything funds, if everything works smoothly, and I back you guys on Kickstarter, what am I going to get in the mail? Okay. Uh, we're offering four different varieties. Uh, well, it's, we're offering four sets, and we're offering different varieties of each. We're offering either levels 1 through 6 or 7 through 11. Uh, we did that because often the hijinks of a 10th level party have nothing to do with the hijinks of a 2nd level party. So we wanted to write two separate sets of campaigns to feel where your character should be, given their level of experience. Gotcha. And that that's a smart move, uh, because things you fight at a lower level are not what you want to deal with at a higher level, and vice versa. Exactly. Exactly. And then we also are releasing it for 3.5 and as well as 5th edition. Cool. And then as far as our levels on Kickstarter, we have everything from a like a print-and-play format where we'll just simply send you the PDFs of the campaign guide, the encounters, and we also um, have created pre-generated uh, PCs for the box set, so there's literally everything in the box you need to play. In case so, somebody doesn't have a character sheet, here you go, we've leveled the characters, first, third, fifth, so you'll get either just the PDF version, we have uh, like hard copy books of those, and laminated character sheets of the, of the pre-gens, and then our main box set is will come with the books, the pre-generated characters, miniatures, and a wet erase board that falls out to draw the maps on. So it will literally be everything you need to run. Awesome. Awesome. Is that kind of the super deluxe version where it gives you the map and the minis and everything? Yeah, that's, that's our ultimate goal. Um, we're also allowing, like, We've also created some some sets where, um, at a higher level, you'll get the box set, but the entire development team will autograph it for you. 
Uh, we've got one set if you're in the Chicagoland area. I will hand deliver your box set and I will run campaigns with you. Very cool. Uh, I think that's one of the neatest things about our hobby and specifically crowdfunding within our hobby. We are all one step away from each other. I mean, we play nationwide, we play worldwide. There's so many tools that put us into connections with people we would never meet with. But there is still a great level of one-on-one connectivity. You're in Chicago. I'm in Akron, Ohio. We're six hours apart easily. <laughs> and and we're mm-hmm. having this conversation. And, and yet when you reach out to people, you can find your local friends. You can find your local backers and you can just drive over and meet them. And you can you can share your passion and your desire and drive for Edgeland Games and what you're doing. The hobby we are in is so cool just because of that, because of how we can share and meet people and do all these really cool things. In the digital age, it's so nice that there's still a hobby that brings people together at a table. Or if it's, even if it's on like a Google Hangout, it's still bringing people in live action, one-on-one, one-on-five encounter. It, it's you're still talking to people directly yep absolutely the, the 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 hobby really truly does encourage social storytelling social narrative cooperatively enjoying a story that you have created so back to the kickstarter here to summarize there are a couple different versions you have a lower level and a higher level book or set uh, and of course like we talked about earlier within each of those books it allows for a range of levels of your party. Mm-hmm. And they each book has that sliding rule to customize whether more people show up, less people show up, and characters of different levels. Uh, th- there's basically a, a nice little formula that says, add everything up, divide it out, that's the CR, and then use that to pick things off the index in the back. Yeah, and the other thing that we, uh, it actually, uh, we're running games at ValorCon, here in Chicago from the box set. One of my writers was running games there, and he said what was great about it is that two of the players at his table had never played a role-playing game before in their lives. So what he was able to do halfway through the campaign, because they were struggling a little bit, he was able to lower the CR right there in the moment. He didn't have to stop and go find new creatures or whatever. You can literally, in halfway through the campaign, if your if your players are doing really well and they're not very challenged, you can simply next encounter use the higher level CR. If they're struggling, if they're ro- not rolling, you know the dice are against them that night. You can lower the CR there at the moment to help the party out. That is another great aspect of One Shot Wonders. That's something I didn't even think of when I was reading the sample and preparing for the show tonight. That is an awesome point. Uh, as a GM, I am trying to get myself to be more in the moment and more improv focused so a lot of times i find myself scrambling for the right monster the right trap the right kind of thing that fits whatever we have made up in the moment and a lot of times i have to alter an established creature to fit what we're doing because god damn it in the moment we need to fight a dragon we're just way under leveled <laughs> to fight a dragon yep So with One Shot Wonders, I'm running the game. I'm running through the forest campaign because we left off in the forest. 
oh, I want to ratchet this up to make this more challenging. Yep. Oh, damn, that's too hard. Let me ratchet yeah, it back yeah. down. If you're one of those GMs that likes to do TPK games and you really like to see your players on the on the ropes and, and fighting for their lives, play them at third level, run the CR6 campaigns. Done and done. Awesome. Awesome. The more we talk about One-Shot Wonders, the more excited I get about it and the more flexibility of the tool becomes apparent. So listeners... Pick up on all of this. This is not just a module that you run through and you're done. This is an evolving tool that you can use in so many different applications and situations. So, Jacob, you said that you're going to have both a Pathfinder, which we know is the absolute best and no one should ever play any <laughs> other game, and a 5th edition version as well. Uh, and both versions will have all of these different options. The different, the different level books, the, the pre-gen characters, the maps, all that kind of stuff, right? Yep. Awesome. So with the, with the minis that are going to be included with that kind of deluxe version, are we talking about minis just for the PCs? Are you going to have some monsters in there? Yeah, we're gonna, it's going to come with about five. It'll come with five PCs. Okay. The PCs, that, the, the pre-generated characters will also have their own mini. And then we're developing about 20 monsters cool. for the box. Uh, now, this is just a bit of an aside, but are you guys actually uh, creating and sculpting these minis yourself? Yeah, they'll all they'll be our design. Um, I've got a 3D artist that's working on creating, like, because we've even created some monsters that are specifically only in the box set. Oh, wow. You won't find these monsters in other ones. Like, we created, there's uh, I'm, one of the campaigns I'm actually running at a catacomb an upcoming role-playing game uh, convention that everyone should go to. <laughs> that was a wonderful and unsolicited plug. Thank you, <laughs> Jacob. I'll mail the check to you later. <laughs> um, we're playing a, uh, one of the campaigns. It's called The Hollow One. And it's this creature that is an undead plant creature. And he comes about by when someone dies utterly alone out in the forest, he begins to sort of animate the plant and wild uh, plant and, and earth around him. And he comes back as this creature that wants to control and keep people around him. So he has a lot of like charm abilities and dominate people. Um, and so he's one of the creatures that's in the box set. He's our campaign is strictly based around that creature. So there will be other monsters that are in the box set that you'll only find in our box set. And they'll have their own mini. That's really cool. I expected you to say oh, we're going to grab something from, you know, the Reaper line or whatever. And that would have been awesome because they do great stuff. But then you come and tell me, no, man, we're custom making everything. Yep. Jesus, this is cool. <laughs> this is go bigger, go, go bigger, go home. That That's awesome. Absolutely right. <laughs> well, one of the also reasons that we created a lot of monsters ourselves, instead of saying, OK, well, you're going to fight either a bullet, a Bargast a greater basilisk or a fire elemental we've created a hollow one our own creature and we've created a cr1 version a cr3 version and a cr5 version so the narrative doesn't break but it's the monster's difficulty and abilities that we ratchet up or down based on the cr of the party cool that makes for a much more cohesive story again Everything you're saying here is just proving the value and the worth of the one-shot wonders 
tools. I, I'm pretty sure the sample you sent me included some of the hollow ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to stop reading that because I'm going to be at a catacon too, in case no one knew. And I have a feeling I might end up in uh, in, in a pickup game with you. So I will not read through <laughs> that information. Good, good. We want you to be surprised. <laughs> I'd probably forget anyway. I have a horrible memory. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit then about uh, the, the book itself. Um, you're going to have some artwork. I saw some nice examples of the artwork you have. Are you working with local artists? Do you have a specific artist on your team? Yeah, all the artists, all our writers, everybody are guys that aren't currently in the gaming world. They're all just super passionate gamers that I have found through Facebook, meetup groups, just friends of friends, things like that. And they're all part of the core development team. Cool. So you really crowdfunded the project that you're going to crowdfund on Kickstarter. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Extremely. That's really awesome to hear. We have said this many times. Uh, Jim McClure says it on his uh, podcast, Talking Tabletop, all the time. We are living in a renaissance of role-playing game. I think part of that is because of the digital age that we live in. We can do a lot more. We can talk to a lot more people. We can get a lot more accomplished. But it's also this resurgence of doing things yourself and putting it out there. Whether you throw it on a forum and just get feedback, or whether you jump into the deep end and actually try to get some money from Kickstarter or crowdfunding, we are living in the perfect age to make this happen. And Edgeland Games is an awesome example. You had an idea, you invested your time and passion into it, you found people that shared your passion, created a company, and a year later, we have a product that is absolutely unique, incredibly useful, and is getting ready to come into existence within the next few weeks. This is cool. This is a great story for anyone who is in the gaming world, who is thinking about what it is to get into development. The path that Edgeland Games has followed is a perfect blueprint to follow. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, Again, the Kickstarter will be live and running by the time everyone is listening to this. So click on the links in the show notes. Check it out. There are a lot of different levels that you can pledge to, from digital to hard copy, uh, special autographed versions. You can go on the simple end and print it yourself. Use your own characters, your own minis, your own maps. You can drop the coin and get all of it in one box so you are ready to go no matter what. So what are your stretch goals for One-Shot Wonders, Jacob? What is the bigger picture you're looking for? That we're working on because we've gotten so much stuff in this box set. Um, Some of the stuff we want to include are possibly more minis. Uh, We are going to put a stretch goal in that gives you additional PCs. And then we're also going to be doing a lot of um, individual PDFs of campaigns that we'll get as like free downloads. Uh, for instance, we're right now working on three campaigns where every GM has had that moment where their party should have ended up in jail. They pulled something, some, something they shouldn't have, and they should have ended up. But the GM doesn't really want to try to pull that out of their ass. Of let's let's figure out how you're going to break out of prison. 
So we're currently writing like a small jail, a medium jail, and a large jail. Because we want that the GMs to have that in their back pocket of like, no, no, no. Go ahead and just try to steal it. Let's see what happens. I, I have a plan if you do all end up in prison together. <laughs> oh, I love that so much, man. That is awesome. <laughs> Yet again, another use of One-Shot Wonders. These are your preparations for those, for those weird situational developments that, as a GM, you might hesitate to let happen if you don't have something prepared or you don't feel that you can successfully pull it off on the fly. If I know that I can go to the shelf or pull up the PDF on my tablet or computer that is PCs are in jail, I can say, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Let's see what happens. If you get out of it, cool. If you don't, now I'm ready. Yep. Awesome. Um, that's really cool. I, I like hearing those ideas about where you want to go with it. I think that's something backers like to know as well. So this is not just a static product that you're you're looking at here on Kickstarter. There are grander plans. Uh, there are other developments. Um, let's talk about the future then. Uh, after this After this Kickstarter campaign ends and you're working on putting this product out, where is Edgeland Games going to go in the future? Uh, we have two directions we're working on. Um, we have several directions that we've, we've got thoughts on, but um, A, we want to keep One-Shot Wonders as a continued product line. There's also talk of uh, expanding it into other systems. Numenera, we've talked briefly with like guys that like have done their own successful Kickstarters, like Zodiac Empires and stuff like that, just to create a box or create a set of campaigns for other systems, for other GMs that run these other games to still have that ability instead of just the Pathfinder and the and the fifth edition. Cool, cool. So you're looking at other systems, obviously other genres of gaming. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I, I think One Shot Wonders is an outstanding product to be the flagship of Edgeland Games. I, I think that name can easily become a go-to household GM name in the very new future. But what else might you guys want to do? Let's say One Shot Wonders is perfect. It's going. It's going strong. There's new stuff coming out all the time. What else is Edgeland Games doing? Uh, we're also working on our own full system um, based roughly off 3.5 rules for OGL. Uh, but we've got our own world planned. Uh, it's a game called, right now, the working name is Conquest. And it's our own. We've created some of our own races. It'll still be a sword and sorcery style campaign, but we've got our own world in and additional rules and tweaks to rules and things like that that we'd like to see um, eventually hit the market. And hopefully, given if One Shot Wonders does everything, we hope it'll be next summer we'll be doing the Kickstarter for Conquest. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so this is essentially an entire campaign setting. Yes. Its own world, its own unique situation and scenarios, and... I'm going to bet that at some point you can make some spe specific one-shot wonders within the Conquest world. Exactly. And, and, and when we start having that ability, um, we've all seen the large format campaigns where it has some little blurb. It's like, oh, if you wanted to run a side quest in the city, now would be a good time to do it. What we'll do is we'll say, if you own one-shot wonders, 
run Trouble at House High Marrow here. It fits in well with the feel of the city. Or things like that. We'll tell you what side quests to pull that would fit really well with the narrative if you so desire. Cool, cool. That is a great way to create an organic interconnection uh, of the different mm-hmm. products that you guys will have eventually here at Edgeland Games. Uh, so last question. What are you looking for out of the Kickstarter campaign? What is your minimum funding right now? Uh, unfortunately, it is a bit high. Um, it's 60 grand. Okay. Um, and that's mostly to deal with minimum because we're getting a box done, because we're getting two sets of books done, because we're getting minis done. A lot of these companies are like, yeah, we'll make a box for you, but we only make, the least we'll make is 500 boxes. Gotcha. So that's why our goal is high, is just so we can make a lot of these so we can also get them on Amazon, on our own website, things like that. And you're making your own miniatures, so that's that's a pretty big expense there with the 3D printing and the sculpting and the design. Exactly. Um, are, yeah. are those going to be painted as well or just a, a stock color? They'll, yeah, they'll, they'll be a stock color. The BCs will be one color. Um, I did throw one of my guys who's an amazing painter. I kind of threw him under the bus, and I was like, so what if we put on like two or three add-ons where you would hand paint all of their minis? And he's like, yeah, go for it. So we will have like a maximum of three where each mini will come hand-painted by one of our artists. Cool, cool. So this is not a cheap product. (laughs) Let's just put it simply. This is not something that this team uh, of developers has just whipped off and they're throwing together. There's a lot of thought going into it. There's a lot of preparation. We've got books. We've got minis. We've got maps. We've got a box to put it all in. We've got pre-made PCs and character sheets. This is a, a high-quality product, and this is something that has a lot of love put into it and has a lot of use to take out of it. I've said it many, many times here. We're going to keep saying it. Click on the link in the show notes. Go check it out. This is absolutely something that deserves to come into existence. So definitely please go and back it. Um, I haven't even seen the finished product yet, and I am throwing my support behind it. Uh, Whatever small influence I might have through this podcast and whatever weight my name might have on something, I'm putting it behind One Shot Wonders because this (laughs) is really cool. The, The campaign is going to launch tonight as of the time of recording. Are you guys going for 30 days, 60 days? We're doing 45. Doing 45 days. Cool. Uh, and that means we will be able to have some live feedback from testing this stuff at a catacon, which is about two weeks away. So uh, I think it's fair to say that at some point here in the next few weeks, we will have a uh, a few comments and posts and discussions about a catacon. So you will hear the name One Shot Wonders again, where we can talk about a hands-on experience with it. Jacob, this has been a wonderful conversation. Um, I am so much more excited about this product than when we started. Thank you for taking the time with me tonight and sharing a product that you are truly passionate about. Thank you so much. It was great being on. Wonderful. We will have all the 
uh, links and social media links and all those good things that you need to click on to pay attention to Edgeland Games. Follow them on social media and follow them over to Kickstarter to hand your money over to them. Those are all in the show notes. Go check them out. Jacob, anything else you would like to say before we sign off this evening? I'm just glad that I'm getting to be a full member of this society. I've, I've made the mistake of getting into the restaurant business at a very young age, so I've Icaticon will be my first convention that I've been at just to game at, believe it or not. Cool. Very good. So Icaticon is going to be even better because of that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sir, it was a pleasure talking to you, and I am looking forward to meeting you in person in a couple weeks here at Icaticon. And uh, that's all for tonight. So thank you, folks, for listening. This is uh, Caleb with Jacob signing off. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGAcademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. <laughs>